There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, It's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan romash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to I'm sure it's only a matter of time head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information should we start again with yeah. all that crap about my no health? That was just a throat clearing. Anyway. I was going to start with something different. We'll start with something different then. I was just going to start with morning, Esther. Morning. How are you? I'm all right. That's not very good. No, I'm. A How bit... are you, Esther? I'm fine. Thank you very much. A lot of weather we've been having. Yes. Haven't we? Yes. Weather. Yeah, that's a nice jumper. Thank so you that, very much. Oh, I know what you're doing. Yeah, you fuck. You, yes. You're making small Read the headline. You are making small talk. Universities teach art of idle chit-chat. I mean, we talked about how that was going to be the first thing we did on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, but it just went in one ear and out the other. Because you're shit at it. Uh, shit at small talk? Yeah. I'm actually very, very good at small talk. I thought it was a great thing to talk about because this is a podcast mm-hmm. in which people listen to us. What is more idle chit-chat than a podcast? Students desperately need advice on how to make chit-chat. All over America, university professors are helping a generation that yawn came of age during the pandemic. We're going to be reading that sentence for a long time. Uh, Studying remotely and they're having to learn the, the art of small talk. There is no doubt that COVID had a significant impact on students' ability in face-to-face communication, said David Salisbury, an assistant professor of geography, environment and sustainability. Oh, at the University of Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also think that increasing involvement with small screens is impacting social skills. A handbook offering students guidance on how to conduct themselves at networking events tells them to begin with, Hello, my name is... First and last name. You could just imagine these kids going, Hello, my uh, my name is first and last name. (laughs) It then says, Stop, let them tell you their name before they move on to describe themselves. Stop, the handbook warns over this. Give them an opportunity to respond. So basically, they're mm-hmm. trying to write covering letters, they're trying to have communications, they've forgotten how to speak, and they're being taught. Um, and I just think this is to do with kids today not knowing how to talk to each other. Yeah, it ties I... in for me to that story that I was in the papers on Sunday or Monday, and I wrote about it briefly in the diary, uh, my notebook, I mean, uh, about uh, Debrett's offering 
phone etiquette advice saying young people don't like to be phoned they like to get a message in advance asking for permission to phone them because they can't bear a conversation starting too quickly mm-hmm. it's, well they don't yes yeah or something yeah it's all a bit triggering well it ties into that thing and then when you message them you have to use an exclamation mark because if you say hello exclamation mark they go ah lovely hello but if you put hello full stop it's pass ag yeah um, so, so we know that. So it's it's about kids having losing the ability to. I think the pandemic is overblamed for this. Actually, I think that it was inevitable because due to just being online more, it's pandemic, not pandemic, doesn't make any difference. I think this is this is totally inevitable. This feels like this piece um, about universities teach the art of idle chit chat feels like the kind of spoof newspaper thing you might get in a a book from 1972 about the future world or something by some very sort of prescient like sci-fi in the future writer. people will forget how to talk exactly because they will be yeah uh you no know, it seems to be i don't know i think it's of a piece with uh, some other stories that are around at the moment about uh it's, it's young people failing to do things and i think it's failing to, to be able to communicate certain kinds of ideas and, and being afraid of, you know, the whole trigger warning thing on, on campus. What are you allowed to say? What are you not allowed to say? They, know, don't, they now don't even know how to say nothing or they yeah. are afraid to say nothing. Um, I, I think it, it is to do with technology, but I think it's been exacerbated, like all those things, by the pandemic. So I think that's boring. We know, don't we? And this is the point we want to get to about how do you avoid this? How do you teach your children to have this? We, they're skills our children have. Why? Our children can do small talk. Why? Um, and uh, I think... Because they are, they are our only friends and they are the only people that we speak to. So we force them to talk to us all the time. Yes. The, the only people we talk to, apart from each other on this podcast in it, a performative way yeah. for a salary, yeah. are our children. Yes, yes, yes. I think the thing about small talk and the thing about that kind of idle chit-chat that they're talking about, it is it, it is a skill. And it is a skill that can definitely be learnt. And when I am out of practice at small talk, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to go to parties. I don't want to see anyone because I know that I've forgotten and I, and I can't do it. So these kids that we're talking about who, who are having to be taught how to talk, the thing is, the, the little person in our life who's, who's on the autistic spectrum and went weekly to these sort of therapy, group therapy classes mm. to learn... The art of conversation. Yeah. And um, at first I thought well, this, this sounded like a weird sort of a thing to, to be doing. Mm. Um, and she was taught, you know, how to recognise conversational triggers, which was mm. things like not if you say to someone who's on the spectrum, if you say to them, depending on where they are on the spectrum, but you say, uh, how are you? They'll go, I'm fine. And you go, uh, what have you been watching on telly? And they'll go, The Simpsons. And it'll stop. They won't go. The Simpsons. My favourite character is uh, Marge. It's so funny. Do you see that bit where? Da, 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 I, I mean, it really, it really depends. It really depends. But but yes. But what they. But what. So she got taught. What the, so what the conversation classes were for were to say. And how about you? Yeah. That's what. Oh, was it? Yes. Oh, I should go on some of these classes. You should. Yes, they were very good. Well, I hear they were very good. Um, but yes, the whole point was that. It's not just about. It was about it, the whole thing. Um, is about a back and forth, which is a thing that people on the spectrum, who I sometimes think includes both you and me, find forget or find tricky to do. I was thinking to myself, can they teach the kid on the spectrum to ask 
how someone is and give a shit about the response. No. No. <laughs> and I, assuming I'm not on the spectrum, and I'm not, uh, I do not give a shit uh, what they think. And you're not supposed to. And the notion of small right. talk and polite chit-chat, polite conversation, the old rules, the, the lady Grantham rules, yeah. where you don't talk about religion, sex, politics or work, um, in order to not have controversy, controversy in your conversation. You just, not whether we've been having, one of the things that she had to learn, our, our little autistic friend, for, for, from was, was it's not necessarily going to be framed as a question. So it'd be like, gosh, cold. Oh, yes. To which she would, that's the end of the conversation with yes. her. Well, that, that, they think it's cold. Uh, I know what I think, <laughs> fuck you. So she had to go, yes, it is, it is, but at least it's sunny. Uh, yeah. And that's how, and then these are things which, which in, to, to some degree, we can laugh at it, but society does have to teach you to do. So metabolising this into a column would be, hmm. this is how... Good use of metabolise. Thank you. Um, Some this would is... have said metastasize, depending <laughs> on how they think of my columns. No, your columns go online and then they metastasize. Yeah. It's beyond your control. Um, how would you, because it's a great and wonderful and a rich area of, um, it's a great topic. Yeah. What, how what would, would you it do be? It? My Lessons, rules. How to do it. My rules. Uh, and obviously with, with my uh, crippling bordering on the ill desire to amuse I would have mm. to move away quickly from real advice and you'd want to talk about yeah. real advice I was thinking one of the other things I was thinking around this is a school for small talk sounds like a restoration comedy yes William school- Congreve the school for small talk I think one of the reasons why uh, small talk rules were no politics no no you know no, no racy chat so that people don't disagree I think that's one of the things that really needs to be brought back because I do think that one of the reasons why young people find it difficult to say what they think out loud is because they've grown up in a world where that can get you in a lot of trouble online well it's a point I've often made yeah uh, about because uh, I'm a massive bore usually in the small talk phase that <laughs> the rules of etiquette and politeness that used to exist in conversation mm-hmm. at every social level, really, uh, and phased away with the sort of free thinking of the 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s, that went away, got us to a position where now mm-hmm. you've got all this problem with uh, safe spaces and trigger warnings because people people say... That, and really, all those things are, although they seem to come from the intellectual left, uh, all they are is a replacement for the old rules of etiquette. The thing I thought... That, I mean, my immediate thought for your, for your column was not a school of chit-chat, but... I mean, obviously not not a sense, not actual rules for how to make conversation, but but kind of rules, sort of satirical to, rules to make conversation where every rule ends up with how you make it so that you can talk the most. No, I thought you were going to go a different way, where every conversation gets closed down with chit-chat. So that you have a... Sorry, I shouldn't tread on your... No, no, idea. no, no, but no, what? what I've made oh, my point this and... Is, this idea is evolving as we speak in yes, the way Yes, exactly, of, it is metastasizing. <laughs> Imagine, because like Gaza, every I've just done Times Radio this morning, it's fine. Ping comes my thing from lovely Molly Guinness. First of all, we thought about, we'll talk about the, the, the deal, the, the, the uh, Hamas-Israeli uh, 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 government deal to release some hostages. Uh, is this giving in to Hamas? And I've just woken up. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Fuck. You're asking me, mm. is this deal to release hostages giving in to a terrorist organisation? Somebody thinks 
No. I would like, my reply would have been, yes, it has been rather rainy, but you know, at least it's, at least it's, you can light a fire and have a nice time in. Oh, that's so good. Conversations oh, yeah. where they go, where is a conversation going, all right, Giles, um, what do you feel about these? Uh, my daughter's just up at, they just started at the local school, uh, and they're, they're giving her permission to transition uh, across the genders without consulting me. And I would go, oh, she's on toast without a question. It would be. The, I love would, it. Yeah, yeah, really good, and it means that you can, you can address all sorts of super, super, super controversial things, and then explain why you're not going to talk about any of them. It's really good. Yeah, yeah I like that. Giles, can you? I think. I think before we start, Giles, we're going to need a definition of genocide. <laughs> oh, walking a dog on a frosty morning while yeah. listening to Radio Four. That's, that's my. That's my go-to thing. That's my, I oh, my bucket thing. list. You want to know about my bucket list? Well, I very much hope to visit Bali. Yeah. Okay. So we move on. That's yeah. that's very good. Those are two really good options. Oh, I just two? can't. Isn't it one? Uh, no. Well, you could either do it the way that I oh, said I or the way that you said. Okie dokie. Uh, you had loads of really good stuff. What was your next thing? Um, well, I was going to point out that the, we, we are recording this just ahead of the autumn statement. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Oh, yes. And I said, can you explain it to me because it's past me. The autumn totally. statement? Do you mean when the Chancellor Checker stands up and says the leaves are falling now? <laughs> we can officially light fires and start eating soup. Those of you who want to drink a pumpkin spice latte, you can go, it, you can go now. The autumn statement, the Chancellor makes two statements, the spring statement and the autumn statement. Right. And I think the spring... But it's not the budget. No, the, well, the, the budget is in April, isn't it? The uh, beginning of April. So I think the spring statement comes ahead of the budget. No, okay. the autumn statement uh, is a sort of... We have... We, what we're up to. Yeah, now. it's what we're up to, what we're going to do, the change we're going to make. It's very important now because this is the last one before there'll be a general election. They need right. to steer a bit of a... Uh, uh, some sort of course which is going to... And as ever with the Tories, they have to persuade their grassroots and their backbenchers that they are a party of tax cuts. But yeah. tax cutting hasn't been possible because there hasn't been any money. Mm. Inflation was, in fact, uh, halved. Uh, so that was a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, and not really from anything that Rishi Sunak did, but it, no, but it, but no, it was. No. Uh, so they've got a bit more headroom in terms of budget. So the Tory, the backbench Tories want them to cut it in, in uh, cut tax them, yeah. to, to try and get back some of the red wall voters. Now they're planning to cut national insurance. Yeah, so this, so they're going to cut national insurance, but isn't national insurance like your, contribu- your contribution to your state pension? Yeah, national insurance... Taxes pay for running the country, in theory, and national insurance pays for benefits. And oh, is that how it works? Yeah, and most people pay cl- class one national insurance, I think it's 10%, comes out of there. It's taken at source. P-A-Y-E, right? So it's taken at source. We make voluntary contributions, <clears throat> or don't. Yeah. No, we do. Because we make uh, class four. Or is it class two? Class four national insurance contributions, and I make them as part of my annual tax return because you have to keep up the payments to entitle yourself to a state pension which yeah. at the moment I think is £4 a month uh, but it's still very important that I get it at the end of the day because if all my other tax planning goes to absolute shit we can actually live on £4 a month on rice no 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 but it's but it's not a lot it's like £160 a week is it is it a month is it How, do you have any idea it's not a month it's a, it must be a no it's fuck all it's fucking fuck all is it it's fuck absolutely all. terrifying but it, it just about will keep your old people alive because I, I'm, 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 I'm sort of hoping it's about 100 or quid. The, 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 the current new amount, no, it's £203 a week. It's a fortune. I was only out by about £200. Pounds. But I that's mean, assuming, that is assuming that you are living rent-free somewhere, that you have paid, you know, paid the mortgage on your house, or you're living rent-free somewhere. You have other, yeah, because it's protected by the triple lock. And you have other up. savings and you don't have any At any rate, that's what you get to your bit. So the, this current autumn statement, now the best we can but really hope for. that's good. So they've cut national insurance contributions, but you still get the same amount when you turn yeah, 65. because of the triple lock, yeah. 
fine. It's really great for people who are very old now. Terrific. Young people are going to be absolutely screwed, great. but that doesn't matter. And you want to write about this in your... No, I'm merely <laughs> acknowledging in the podcast that okay. we said this before the autumn statement. He might say that he is slashing the top rate of income tax to 25%, abolishing corporation tax altogether, re- removing a stamp duty on second homes, and, and abolishing inheritance tax. And then in that case, we just you won't be hearing from us next week because we'll <laughs> be in the fucking Bahamas. Plushcare.com/slash/weightloss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, What's next? I was on a roll about things that problems with parenting. So, right, was, yes, so yes. there's the small talk thing. Eating disorders are now running at 20%. Or is it 20% of girls? What's the statistic? It's yeah. one in five older teenage girls have an eating disorder, according right. to the NHS. Figures described as devastating. Um, uh, and also, uh, and so I thought that was one... And then I, there's the there's the the government trans rules were published yesterday. Yes, they, they didn't go far enough for the transphobes, but they went too far for the trans lobby. Right. Which I suppose means they must have got it broadly right. I wonder if they are transphobes though. I wonder. Yeah, the people, the the ones, I, the I, ones I, who take it too far. Do they're the take ones it who say that far. children shouldn't be allowed to socially transition at all. Whatever anybody says, including their parents. Right. They're probably transphobes. They probably mm. think trans people are either shit or don't exist. Yeah. Uh, two positions which I don't hold. Yeah. Uh, so therefore, I find myself to the left of them and in the centre, mm. but far to the right of the people who think that children should be allowed to cut off their own ghoulies with scissors mm-hmm. from the age of four if they feel a little bit unhappy at school. You know, mm. somewhere in between lies this the route, and the government has chosen to chosen to say they, the, the 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 antis really wanted them to say that kids can't change their uniforms, that kids can't. But there's a sort of. But then Sarah Dighton, who I was on the radio with this morning, will be of a school that says, if you allow kids to come to school and, when they were previously called John and say they're called Mary, if grown-ups indulge them in that, mm-hmm. you're encouraging the kids in a mindset that there was something wrong with who they were, and to therefore develop and take whatever issues they're dealing with at this vulnerable stage in the direction of trans when there are other ways they could have gone. Yeah. Which might well have been into eating disorders if you go with Hadley Freeman's Freeman. version of of child mental health in her book. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there, it seemed to me that there were things to talk about with, with parenting. The day, and I, th well, I thought one of the things we could do when we talk about eating disorders is no one really understands it. No one really knows what it means. I do know that when I, whenever I write a piece about obesity, even if I'm sensitive about it, but I'm often not sensitive about it, if I say anything about it, it's an issue that has to be tackled, I get pushback, mostly on Twitter, some under the line, some in email, you're, you're creating kids with eating disorders. Uh, well, I, I, Hadley Freeman, who is basically an expert on, on eating disorders, she's seen it from the inside and she's, she's very thoughtful and extremely brilliant and thinks very carefully about the subject. She would laugh in your face if, and she has laughed in my face, if I ever posit that it's pictures of, you know, super thin models or whatever. And she's, you know, young girls don't become anorexic because they're, they saw a picture of Kate Moss and they were sad, she would say. And it's in girls with anorexia, what they are trying to do is make their outsides match how unhappy they are on the inside. So rather than saying, I am so unhappy, they want to show you that they are so unhappy. And they and she's saying, girls with anorexia do not want to be slim. They do not want to look thin. They want to look ill. And that is a very specific qualification that and she, she i believe will extrapolate from that and i believe the book does and she's obviously a gender critical feminist uh and uh, -huh. uh and a spokesperson for women's rights and right to feet private to women's spaces and all this kind of thing and more and more i feel this should be a podcast where hadley should be sitting there considering she's doing fuck all i imagine on a wednesday morning and i see her on the school run quite why she isn't here doing an even better impression of her voice i don't know but she would also say that there's something similar with trans that's why i see them together you're not really saying i'm a boy you're saying something is terribly wrong in my life and i want you to talk to me about it in the old days, I was at school. I was at school with a girl called Jo, and her mother ran one of the first uh, clinics in the UK. That was a. It was called Home Farm or something, and it was it was a, a residential clinic for anorexic girls. And her theory was very much along with yours because we were still living in the shadow of people brought up during the the war and finish everything on your plate and children are starring in Africa and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, she was very much thought that anorexia was due to um, conflict at the dinner table and that, that, that kind of thing. So that's, and she came to lecture us all the time about, about anorexia and about how it's okay to eat a Mars bar and it's not going to make you fat. And, and obviously, that's, that, so that's where the thinking was in the late 80s and the early 90s. I think now we understand that, it, that Hadley, you know, Hadley's really got a point. It's really not about the food. Yeah. It's about something else entirely. And that's possibly your, your dichotomy between disordered eating. Yeah, oh, very much. Oh, disordered eating. Yeah, disord disordered eating is everywhere and it can be hugely damaging and upset people. And it's, you know, relationship with food, is it's, it's very complicated, but it's not an eating disorder. You have a disordered relationship with food, but you do not have an eating disorder. I May mean, I have a disordered relationship with everything. You, yeah, you do. Sex, you do. work, sleep. Not sleep. Sleep is all right. Driving. Alcohol. Yeah. Anyway, before we go on. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm going to show you a picture and I want you to tell me what you see. It's a, it's a giant red octopus. And, and that's all you see? Okay, fine. What do you see there? Uh, let the record show that I'm uh, presenting to Esther a photograph from this week's University Challenge. And there's a grey octopus little softy toy on the bench. What, what, what have these octopuses got to do with each other? 
Uh, and then and just one other photograph I'm going to show you. Um, what do you see there? A squid is not an octopus. Well, fine. Okay, you're you're showing me the um, the allegedly anti-Semitic cartoon of Richard Sharp Sharp by by Martin Rosen in the Guardian that got him in so much trouble, and he's holding a box full of a squid because because the, because well, it's some sort of metaphor for the Jews. Okay, yeah. interesting. Look, so when I saw that picture of a totally harmless, massive red soft octopus, I thought it was about an anti-Semitic attack. Okay, and it turns right. out to not be the, sto- the the photograph that I showed you uh, of the New Zealand Challenge this week. The BBC has had to disclaim any anti-Semitic content because it went um, tonto on uh, social media, saying that this blue slash green octopus was an anti-Semitic uh, trope brought on by the Muslim student here. They said she's wearing PLO colours, Palestine colours. Uh, green, red, white, subtly wearing them. She wasn't wearing these in the first round. And that, and I thought, what? Same as you, I knew about the squid, and I only knew about the squid, and I'm a Jew and I'm sensitive to anti-Semitism. I only knew about the squid because of the Rosen cartoon controversy. Apparently it's an octopus, and they're now saying it's an octopus, and that Nazi cartoons in the 1930s showed an octopus with its tentacles in every country straddling right. the world. And they were saying that this... Muslim student and with the complicity of these other Christchurch people had brought on this octopus right in order to make an anti-semitic statement right. then everyone went yes 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 but it was recorded in March it wasn't right. about now then they go yes but there was anti-semitism then the BBC have now come on and pointed out that this girl's wearing like a, it's from Zara yeah and it has it's and, like, it's, and it's brown and, and white it's, and right, black it's not really very PLO and I and and it's just, it was literally how fucked up we're all getting now with this war. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, and, and, and I thought that it might be nice for Neil to call this podcast, mm-hmm. When is an Octopus Not an Octopus? Because having never known that any kind of cephalopod with eight legs was anything to do with anti-Semitic imagery, and I'm quite sensitive. First of all, my friend Rosen, they said it's an anti-Semitic cartoon, and he said, I didn't know a squid was anti-Semitic. And, I, and they all went, fuck off, Martin, but I didn't. Then they had this story, and I saw this girl, and I was persuaded she was an anti-Semite because... It said so on social media, uh, and that this cuddly octopus was part of the whole octopus squid Jews are evil thing. And I was so indoctrinated by it that by this morning I thought a story about a lost octopus toy was a story about anti-Semitism. Well, now imagine that you're on Twitter and you're 16 and you're a bit thick. Imagine, <laughs> imagine how susceptible you would be to this shit. Then yeah. this is why I'm not on social media. Ballet. Yes. <clears throat> Oh no, we're not going to see that. We're going to see Dante's Inferno. And we're fucking looking forward to it. I am excited! Okay, so look, I may, after tonight, have something to write on Saturday about the ballet. I'm 54, I've never been to the ballet. There's a history with us where you like the ballet. You love love the the ballet. ballet. Uh, We had tickets to go and see... Swan Lake. Swan Lake. On my birthday. On your birthday. In 2020. And and then it was cancelled because of COVID. And can I just let the record show, we donated the price of the tickets. Did we? Yes, we let them keep the the tickets. I did not get a refund. So all the little ballerinas could eat that week. No, it's like COVID. I mean, I know it was terrible for some people. When they say, how did did the COVID tragedy affect you? I go, well, we missed Swan Lake. 
anyway. I hate you. How can you not like the ballet? You're such a um, Philistine. No, the uh, so I and I hadn't really ever been to the ballet and was never that interested. I don't know that much about music. I've never been to an opera. It's a long thing to sit through. But I knew you wanted to go to the ballet. And then I met this wonderful fellow and I was having dinner with him and he said, oh, anytime you want to go to the ballet, come to the ballet. And he said, we've got this amazing thing, the Dante Project. Uh, and it's coming back for a, it's, it's been on somewhere else a couple of years ago and it's a massive rave and it's on tonight and we're going and first of all it said two hours 45 minutes and I thought worst nightmare and then it said 45 minutes then a half hour booze and, and yep. eating break then, you eat. then 25 minutes 25 then another food more and drink, food and then another dancing and, and then pudding we're going out for a fucking dinner and booze up yeah with some people dancing with briefly in between it's so good the ballet is so civilised and that's why people love it and that is also why it's so expensive it's a long bit food a short bit more food another short bit more food go home that sounds like a great column doesn't it that was brilliant all I can think about and I'm really I'm going to be sitting there at the Royal Opera House Wearing white tie with a rotate, revolving bow tie on. <laughs> top hat on. <laughs> Being dressed as Ken Dodd. Yeah. And I'll be watching it. And, and I'm so excited <laughs> that I'm going to write this column. I want it to be so great that I can write a column about how ballet changed my life. Yeah. And I wonder what I'm going to do with the second half of my life mm. uh, between now and 108. I'm going to spend it watching ballet. You'd but make a fantastic ballet dancer, actually. Because you've got those big thighs and all very strong. Massive nuts that I can <laughs> put into my... Thing, which makes me reminds me that all I've known all I've the closest I come to seeing an opera is that Foster's ad from the 80s yeah when when uh, Paul Hogan is there and he's at the opera yeah and he, he takes off his hat and puts it in front of and next to him is some hottie with, looking through her lorgnette and Hogan the, the male dancer comes on and Hogan shouts Struth there's a bloke down here with nice strides on <laughs> And he puts his hat over the woman's eyes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love those Foster's adverts. They were so good. So my whole plan is to wait until there's some guy who's like the big dancer of the, yeah. the, of the Royal Ballet. And he's like, I'm going to go, Struth, there's a black man here with nice strides on. You've been listening to Giles Corrin Has No Idea with me, Giles Corrin. And me, Esther Walker. To find out what I wrote about in the end, pick up a copy of the paper or treat yourselves to a digital subscription. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.